Hello, welcome to episode Mark Borbietsky of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Colin Cudmore, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Trevor Shackles. Uh, and speaking of which, before we, we begin, happy belated birthday to Mark Borbietsky, who is surprisingly turned into one of our favorite players on this podcast. Uh, just a great coincidence, this happens to be uh, his episode number 74. Uh, and speaking of milestones, too, it was actually our last episode that marked uh, four years since Trevor started the podcast, way back in 2016, believe it or not. And in that time, you've probably grown to know both of us as just those two guys who will discuss anything related to the, to the Ottawa Senators. And today's episode is no exception. Uh, as it's been quite a while since we've really looked at some Senators-related news, we had the Draft Debater series a couple months ago, and last episode was a fun one, if you haven't checked that out yet, where we did a full seven-round mock draft of all of the Senators' picks. So, uh, Trevor, you've been busy lately, too. You have your new YouTube channel. Um, so how have the last few weeks been treating you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, I think um, I didn't even recognize, I didn't even uh, remember that it had actually been four years since I started the podcast in 2016. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, um, I, I'm really glad that, you know, I've been able to keep it going. And, I, and I'm obviously super glad that uh, you're a part of this, too. And um, yeah, it, it's pretty cool just getting inching closer to 100 episodes. Um, which it'll still be a while from now, but yeah. And then with the YouTube channel, the Hockey Shack, uh, you can find that on on YouTube if you if you haven't subscribed yet. Um, I only have two videos so far, um, and they were both focused on the draft lottery. And I think I'm gonna do another one coming up this week. But um, yeah, it's been good. Just some NHL content on that website, so um, you can look forward to that over the summer. But um, yeah, anything new for you? Oh no, it's been pretty. Uh... But working on a bunch of projects, you can always find out in Silver 7. There's more coming your way this week, too. But uh, just on the note of your YouTube channel, great video on the gold drafting. I'm totally on board <laughs> with that, too. So if the NHL can get on board with that, check out his YouTube channel, The Hockey Shack. But, um, I mean, obviously things have been pretty quiet around the league because, you know, there's a pandemic going on. But in typical science fashion, uh, they just can't seem to stay out of the news cycle. So, uh, Trevor, do you want to just introduce our first news item, which is hot off the press today? Yeah, I mean... I feel like we've had such amazing timing with this podcast. Like sometimes we'll plan for a day and, and today, so we're recording on Monday afternoon and you know, there's no particular reason why we're recording today. It's just kind of random. And a couple hours before we hopped on here, Haley Salvian broke the news that Ottawa is going to be having new jerseys for this upcoming season, whenever that is. Mm-hmm. And so they've, they've submitted a proposal to the league the the senators have for these new jerseys and it looks like it's going to be pretty much exactly the same as the old uh 2d jerseys so with the black home jerseys and the white away ones and the black ones it according to haley said that it's going to have the two stripes on the two red stripes on the armband and then uh, i think one red stripe on the bottom so no white isn't really featured on the black jersey but Um, yeah, and it was unclear what the shoulder patches were going to be, but I think even for people like me who love the Heritage O jersey and would much prefer that one, I think we can all agree this is still like a massive upgrade, even if it's not exactly what we wanted. Yeah, I mean, you're certainly more the the jersey geek than I am, but, uh, it it certainly seemed like it's been a long time coming, like. Uh, maybe not a long time coming just because there's been such a rotating amount of, of plans and with all the CEOs that have come and gone with the Sens. But it I mean, it seems like this is a very real thing that's happening. I mean, Kyle Bukowskis also tweeted recently that the Sens plan was to unveil them at this year's draft. So, um, and of course the, the draft has been in uh, delayed till I think October. Um, but mock-ups have been submitted to the league for approval, as you said, 
And uh, yeah, it, it's 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 weird to see this happening so quickly, especially because um, of, of all, all the front office turmoil the Sens have gone through. I mean, we went remember with Tom Anselmi and his big go with the O project and how the jerseys were the only thing short of doing a full go with the O rebrand. And then of course he left uh, very shortly. And then we had the whole era with uh, the whole era. I see. I mean, it was one year with, with Amy Desiel and uh, Nick Ruskowski and uh, Janice Nicholson too, who, who was actually the senior directing director of marketing up until just a couple weeks ago. It was only until she left. So, uh, and they, they had the plan where they were going to take things slowly and they're sticking with, with the 3d logo. Um, but I remember they had a survey and they showed the results to, um, the Sense Calls podcast, shout out to them. And it, their survey showed that it was a very split decision between, uh, whether fans wanted to stay with the, um, uh, the 2D logo or if they wanted to go 2D logo with, or where they wanted to go with the O. So they were taking things very slowly because there was kind of a divide between that. So it looks like we have Anthony LeBlanc who came in just a couple months ago and, I, they have had a complete overhaul with their marketing department, and so he's uh, the guy taking this lead. And it's things, it appears that these things have come together pretty quickly if they're going to submit designs to the league already. So, well, um, I I think it's interesting too that actually when Jim Little was here, he was referencing something about how oh you're going to be uh, excited or something like you're going to be happy to see what we have in store for mm. next season. So he had alluded to the fact that there could be new jerseys coming. So I, I do wonder how long this has been in the works. True. Yeah, it could have been even, yeah, because it certainly takes time, especially for Adidas. Remember when they switched over uh, yeah. to, and they were being pretty strict with, with not allowing third jerseys very quickly with the switch. So um, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, how, how it'll look, but uh, I don't know. Do, do you seem to have a preference maybe between the O or the 2D logo? Do you, do you kind of prefer this 2D route? No, I mean, I, I, I definitely, I've been a very, um, I've voiced my support for the O logo for years now. I, I think it's such a classic and uh, it, it's a logo that could stand the test of time. I feel like in a hundred years, it could still look really good. Um, it has that sort of like vintage feel where, you know, if they had been, if this, if these jerseys had been around since the fifties and sixties, like some of these original six teams, I feel like we would accept it as one of the best jerseys in the league. Um, so I, you know, I hope that, um, the rumor was that they will be having a third jersey. It's unclear if it's going to be red or black. Um, so I hope they could have a red one. The current red uh, red jersey they have with the O is fine. Although I think I would like a different version, sort of maybe um, kind of like the Belleville Senators jersey right now, but just with mm-hmm. the O instead of the B. So, um, But at the same time, like it's although I don't think the 2D logo is amazing and i think there are a lot better logos um you know it's just such a a massive upgrade from where they're coming from and i think a lot of people will be able to you know finally want to buy merchandise and want to wear it because right now like i i don't like wearing any ottawa things that aren't the o logo you know true yeah and I, I was actually just thinking back to um, what you're saying about how it might have been in the works for longer, just sort of, sort of skipping around. But uh, I just remembered back to, they actually have had um, 2D merchandise in their online shops for at least for at least a year now. It's actually approaching yeah. almost two years now. So uh, from the knowledge that I had from, from people I've talked to is, was that um, that was just a merchandise thing. It was some pe- a couple people push, pushing internally for that, but uh, it, it could have been something even bigger. So 
But in terms of the debate on O versus 2D, I'm actually on your side too. I, I, I agree that I, I think the O is just such an impactful logo. Um, it, it, it has that classic feel. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a kid in kindergarten could draw it and, yeah. and it was, it'd be recognizable as the Sens logo. And, and maybe that's a bit too simplistic for some people's taste. And I totally agree with you as well that I, I, I'm happy with the 2D logo as well. I mean, it's, it's such a classic. And uh, to see the logo that Danny Albertson donned now being worn by Brady Kachuk and whoever the Sens are going to be drafting, that's going to be quite the uh, the moment uh, when the draft finally comes around to see who, whichever prospect they draft to uh, finally put on that logo. Yeah. And now I think this was one of the uh, listener questions later in the show, but we can just kind of talk about it now. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of what this means for the Ottawa Senators brand as a whole, like for getting these new jerseys? Oh, man. Um, it, it's, it's a fresh start um, in, in, in a way. Like it, it's, it's, it's the marking of a new era, which is, I think, what they're, what they're aiming for. It's, uh, it's, it's really something that the marketing department has had to push hard for is is trying to get those memories out of all those old players that not old players but but the the, the carlson's the mark stones the um the jean gabriel pajos who we've attached so many great fond memories to uh in the time wearing wearing the, the, that 3d logo so it, it's it's going to be a step into a, a new era and that's kind of what the sends are going for and they're really yeah. going all in on it yeah I, I totally agree i feel like it's it's a fresh start <laughs> it which is funny because i mean it's not like anything really changes Although I do think, um, you know, f- from Melnick's perspective, he should be getting a lot of money from this, a lot of merchandise. I think there's going to be a lot of people uh, buying these new jerseys. And yeah, I-, I think there's there's no real negatives to this happening other than the fact that I wish it was the O jerseys, but I'm, I'm really not going to complain. Yeah, same here. Well, I think we should move on to our next topic. And this is going back a few months now. Um Actually, I, I, how long ago was it now? It, it, time is, time just feels so off right now, but I think it's yeah. been over a month ago at least. Uh, but this is the whole Sense Foundation follow-up. And uh, for those, if this is new to you, then uh, um, yeah, I, this is kind of, this is, might be weird to hear, but the Sense Foundation is no longer part of the Sense organization. Um, there was a whole follow-up between uh, the team and the foundation and Eugene Monick. Um, I don't know if you want to go over the details of that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that's definitely weird to talk about. Um, but yeah, so I don't even realize that the Sense Foundation parting from the Ottawa Senators is even a thing that could happen. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that was like the first week of June that happened. Um, and it was definitely weird timing because it came after yeah. the the Senators' like official Twitter account hadn't tweeted anything about Black Lives Matter and everything that was going on. Um, but I think it was the Sens Foundation that did. Mm-hmm. And then I think like a day or two later, they parted ways. So it definitely looked sketchy. According to Ian Mendez, though, that had nothing to do with it. Um, but it did seem like the foundation wasn't... Uh, like they, they weren't really giving as much money. Because w- what was it? Like they raised a million dollars but only five thousand dollars of it went to actual causes is that what it was so so th- so this is this is where things get confusing because the, the sense foundation was not perfect and there was a report a couple yeah. years ago uh that came out um suggesting that not only the sense foundation but many nhl charities were being very inefficient in their spending um so the sense foundation wasn't perfect but the numbers you referenced are actually in in reference to a totally different charity 
which was Eugene Melnick's Organ Project. Right, 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 yes. And so this is where things get sticky is because we have a whole bunch of sides to the story. It's like the Sense Foundation hasn't really said much besides that there was just a, a, a difference in, in vision, I think it was, was the word that they used. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, I, and, I, and it turns out that difference in vision was that Eugene Melnick wanted to go with the Organ Project and, and, and his charity that he's been quote-unquote running for the last, last couple of years ever since he uh, uh, survived the organ transplant um, that saved his life. So, um, yeah, it, it was very weird timing after this, too, because then the CRA, uh, the Canadian Revenue Agency, published a report uh, st- stating the numbers you stated that of the quote a million dollars that uh, the Organ Project uh, raised in 2018, I believe, uh, they only spent $5,000 on actual organ do- or, or, like organ donation awareness, which um, is crazy to think about. But if you look at the the if you look at what the Organ Project has actually been doing, it's it, they, they they basically hold a gala every year, uh, which are very high costs um, to put together. And um, although they do raise a lot of money, so much of that just goes back to covering the costs of whatever the dinner, dinners or costs of gala uh, takes up. So um, that much isn't too much of a surprise, but just just how staggering the numbers are. $5,000 of $1 million is uh, very, very, very bad for a charity. And of course, uh, Melnick actually went and refuted the statements. Uh, he even... Um, uh, had the Ottawa Sun, who published an article um, relating to this, plus some new information, retracted some of that information. Um, there was a whole fallout, and and he also stated that they were doing more about raising awareness in the five thousand dollars will state. But I mean, it's 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 just taking a step back. It's like how can you ruin your relationship with your own team's charity? I know. <laughs> it's like why is this a thing that we're talking about? Why did it have to be? Why did the Sense Foundation have to get? Uh, get the axe on this like have you ever heard of any other team like this happening with any other team no this is like a very (laughs) only only for the sense this is something that you could even imagine happening and even when the news dropped i was in total shocks like this this is the sense foundation they're well regarded in the community they've done a lot of great work and people say say nothing but great things about them Uh, i mean obviously they aren't the most efficient charity and part of that has to do with just the, the way that they structure their events, similar to the Organ Foundation. They have, do have some high costs with, with some of their events too, but their impact on the community is, is something that can't be measured, and because it's been so great with what they've done. So, um, I, sh- I should also state that the Sense Foundation, the Sense Foundation, still exists. Um, they're no longer called the Sense Foundation. They, I don't know what their name is anymore. Um, but it, it, it's 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 kind of hard to operate when you don't have the sense actually attached to them and, and, and helping mm-hmm. them with, provide so much fun, so many of their funds through, uh, through that. So, um, yeah. should, should we also mention what, what, uh, Graham Nichols did on Twitter as well? Do you want to go over that? Uh, Oh, you would probably know a bit. I mean, I kind of remember, but I think you'd know the details better. Okay. So, uh, Graham Nichols of the athletic, another, another friend of the show, um, just to prove a point because, the the five thousand dollars and over one million dollars raised was is kind of tickled a lot of fans funny and and so uh, Graham uh, being the, being the great guy that he is he figured why don't I put this together and have so, why don't Sense fans come together and see how fast we can raise five thousand dollars for I think it was the Trillium uh, project in, in their organ donation yes, wing yeah. and and so sense fans i think it was only a few hours ended up raising over five thousand dollars for the trillion project and they, they raised i can't remember the total i think it went over twenty thousand dollars by the end 
but to, to see oh, just oh, just after a couple days of, 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 of gathering donations and to see how uh, <laughs> to see the collective uh, the collectiveness of Sens fans coming to dunk on Eugene Melnick was was a, a, a pretty sight to see totally it, it, it shows that you know a lot of these fans care right like we're yeah. we're willing to um, band together for certain things and one of those things is you know proving that Melnick is not a fit owner. Yeah, and hey, we're look at the podcast name. We're the Cosper Point Cast. We're uh, <laughs> exactly we're totally a part of that too. So, um, obviously, there was some more follow up from this too. Um, uh, whether or not it was related, but uh, Craig Medaglia, uh, bless his soul, uh, the guy behind the Sense Twitter account, uh, he ended up leaving uh, the organization. Just I think it was a week afterwards too. Uh, do you want to just talk a bit about Craig? Yeah. So. I mean, for, for people who aren't on Twitter, which I, I feel like most of the listeners are on Twitter. Um, if you're not on Twitter, you're missing out. Join, join yeah. the Sense Twitter crew. Definitely, yeah. Sense Twitter is honestly amazing. Um, but yeah, so Craig Medaglia was the... Uh, he ran the Senator's Twitter account for, I want to say, since maybe like 2015 or something. He was there for quite a while. Um, and he was just fantastic. Like, he... You know, there, there are definitely some team accounts that you're kind of embarrassed to follow or like it seems really forced and just like not funny things. But Craig was always funny. It was never, it, it, I don't know, it just, he always had such great ideas. Um, and also, I think it's important to mention too that um, I forget his actual name, but I know his uh, his name on Twitter was Woods Goods. He was the video production guy for the Senator. So he, him and uh, Craig would make the, videos on snapchat and instagram and twitter and all those things so um that content was the two of them and it was fantastic so i don't know who they've hired in in place of those two but they were just fantastic and yeah there's just like countless countless tweets i can remember from craig um and i see here uh one, one of your favorite tweets uh do you want, <laughs> do you want to go over one of your favorites from craig sure well i mean Craig has so many gems, but my favorite one was from the playoffs in 2017, the playoff run against the Bruins. Um, I'll, I'll just read, read the quote. The Bruins failed to record a shot on goal in the second period. Can someone in the advanced stack community tell us if that is good? And then that just spawned memes after memes. And that's my my favorite sense meme. I also want to share a bit of a heartfelt memory because Craig was actually um, more than just a great social media coordinator. He was, he's, he's an amazing person too. And I remember at the... Uh, uh, I think it was 2017 or 2018, uh, probably 2018. It was the top prospects game in Toronto. Uh, there, it was the tournament between uh, Ottawa, Toronto, and Montreal. They had all their prospects coming in. And uh, um, that was my first time getting a press pass or something. And Craig was there and he was able to help me guide guide through it. And he brought me back. Um, he brought. Uh, I was actually with Ari as well uh, from Silver 7, fellow writer. We, we were there and, and he brought both of us back to the player area afterwards. And we got to interview. Um, we got to participate in the interviews of, uh, of uh, I believe, I think Troy Mann was the coach at the time. Uh, he, was, he was just starting his coach. And then uh, Marcus Hogbrook as well. And Logan Brown. I remember, these, these are some fond memories I'm going back to now, just just, just off the cuff. But uh, huge thanks to Craig for everything that he's helped with. Um, I, if you're listening, yeah, huge heartfelt thank you. Because, uh, I mean, the sense of social media isn't going to be the same without him. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Craig is, Craig is someone that we've, wanted to get on the podcast in the past uh he wanted to come on as well um i know that it was something that the team itself 
um, came in and said no. So, you know, who knows? Potentially we'll be, uh, I would say, hopefully be able to get him on at some point because I'm sure he'd be able to, to give some pretty good stories. So, um, yeah, just I, I really hope the next person, I mean, I'm assuming they have someone right now um, for Craig's job, but definitely big shoes to fill. And uh, I hope they don't have um, have too much pressure on them. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, sense community will not be the same without him. But yeah, I, I think we need to uh, move on to our next topic. This is topic number three. Uh, this is the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Um, this is something that happened uh, in spawn of spawning out of these whole Black Lives Matter protests that were happening uh, all across the world. It started with um, a handful of Black hockey players in the NHL, um, including um, Evander Kane, uh, Joe Ward, um, and a handful of others as well. Um, and there's, there isn't really a whole lot to say about this at this point, other than that, one, it's a good thing, and two, I'm just kind of excited to see what they have planned. Um, I know that Joe Ward kind of hinted uh, that there were some ideas uh, going around for like an education program for for similar similar to how NHL players kind of mm-hmm. get educated every year on uh, like illegal substances and player safety and how they could get educated on different race issues as well. But uh, I don't know. I'm wondering, do, do you do you have any any different takes on this? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it's a great step forward and it's it's a necessary step um, because I, I feel like race in hockey has always been something that is sort of like taboo and we don't really talk about it. You know, people will say about, oh, how hockey is such a white sport. And it, and it predominantly is. Um, and I still think there are big things that the, the NHL needs to improve on. For example, the Tyler Sagan video they tweeted out, mm-hmm. I guess, in like first week of June or whatever it was, um, which I get what they were going for. For people who haven't seen it, it was just like a minute and a half video of Sagan um, who went to the protests in Dallas, which is great. That's fantastic. You know, he's he's using his platform. He's showing that he cares. Um, but it, it was just like a weird video where they were glorifying him and only him and sort of making it look like, I don't know, like, like they should have been showcasing black voices as well, showing what these black players are doing. It was just weird that Sagan was the only one um, highlighted and... I definitely think that the league can do a better job of, um, you know, giving giving some of these black players voices, right? So I, I think whatever they're doing now is obviously better than what they've done in the past. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see what that will actually look like moving forward. For sure. And I, I mean, if you haven't listened to uh, This Amount of King Life, they tackle this 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 topic in depth as well. And, and a great point that they made was that like where were they when when JT Brown held his fist up in the air, and there was nothing but condemnation for him after that, yeah. and and it, it, it's uh it is it definitely that, that video that second video definitely rubbed me the wrong way too. Not only was it just pure cringe, but it was also like holding up this whole white savior complex that the NHL has fallen into a lot in the past, and yeah, yeah, it, it's something that needs to really be dug up from the ground up, and we we saw that the CHL lawsuit. Uh, this is another huge news item that dropped this past week that Daniel Carcillo and um, a couple other uh, former CHL players are, are suing the league as a class action lawsuit um, against um, all the all the abuse that uh, players have suffered um, over uh, over the time in the league and just the disgusting things that happened for that and all the racist and 
and abusive behavior that not only the older players, but the coaches and and yep. just the surrounding staff as well were, were showing as well, and their complacency with all of it too. No, um, it's just something that uh, it just needs to be burned down to the ground. So um, I, ho- hopefully good things, good things come with it. I think it's been a while actually since we've seen an update on it so i'm hoping mm-hmm. we see more i know i know the chl actually started um they, they started a panel they were trying to tackle these things but I, they still haven't even named who's going to be on that panel so it's, it's all very murky at this point but i mean it's great to see that people are taking this matters into their own hands and and saying that um these things need to change and it's so not only are Car- is carcillo doing that but like yeah, the Hockey Diversity Alliance. They, they aren't affiliated with the NHL in any way. They're just a group of players who are saying that the NHL needs to do better and hockey as a whole needs to do better even. So, yeah, it's great to see that um, change is coming. Um, hopefully we can start to see this put into more concrete ways uh, soon. But I have... Um, the fact that they've taken these steps already is, uh, is has earned my trust that uh, change mm-hmm. is coming. Yeah, and I think that's the first and most important step, just getting the acknowledgement finally from people that hockey does have a problem, right? There, There is a, a culture problem within hockey, not just in the NHL, in youth levels and, um, and semi-pro and, and things like this. So it's acknowledging that there is racism, there's sexism, there's abuse going on at, at all different levels. Um, because if you can't even acknowledge that, then, n- you know, no changes are going to happen. Um, that's obviously the easy part. Now comes the hard part where you actually have to make some changes, have some tough conversations. Um, but yeah, I, I think those will happen. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm optimistic about things. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, the, the news just kept on flowing for the NHL this this past uh, couple weeks with massive news dropping out that uh, not only has the return to play um, process been finalized, but a new collective bargaining agreement has been extended. So. Uh, do you want to just go over some of the details for that? Yeah, it looks like the the CBA. There's nothing too crazy. Um, and just as a side note, I it's so weird that they got this done during a pandemic, considering you know the last couple CBAs have been uh, you know work stoppages. So I, I do wonder if things would be different if there wasn't a pandemic right now. But um, yeah, so nothing really changed with. The bonus structure, which was something that Ottawa would have been interested in, um, you know, some of these richer teams have been able to take advantage of that with um, contracts that have huge bonuses. So um, that's probably like the the biggest downside for the CBA, um, the new CBA. Uh, one good thing though for Ottawa is that the cap is going to stay the same for I think the next two seasons. I, I think it was. Um, so I mean, Ottawa there. They wouldn't be spending that much over the next couple seasons anyway. And I'm not going to hold my breath, but they could potentially take advantage of some cap strap teams and, you know, maybe trade for a guy that has a high cap hit, but maybe a low salary. And um, yeah, there's going to be some teams that are really struggling to um, stay under the cap. So that'll be something pretty interesting to watch. But besides that... I don't know. Was there anything else that I missed for the CBA? I don't think there was anything crazy. Well, I think the big thing for me was that the Olympics, the players are going to get oh, to go course, to the yeah. Olympics now. And yeah. I think that's that's the whole reason it got done in the first place is because uh, with this whole return to play thing and, and players had a bit more leverage going into these negotiations this time. So 
out of that out of that they were able to leverage that they can go to the olympics again so i am yeah. happy for that um the last olympics were kind of a bit difficult to watch even even uh even though i mean olympic hockey is olympic hockey it's always exciting but it's going to be great to see the um the world's best players finally uh finally there again yeah i mean it's it's so fun to watch and also huge news from last week as well was the return to play um you know if things go perfectly and there isn't a huge outbreak it looks like the playoffs will be starting on august 1st and that's for the that kind of weird play-in round um yeah thoughts on on the playoffs this year i mean yeah if people are always calling it the asterisk cup and i think it's for good reason i mean it's it's gonna be kind of weird how everything works out and how we are we're already seeing players starting to pull out and kudos to all those players because like they all they all have good reason to do this because it's, it's, it's tough to trust that the nhl is going to make this such a safe environment especially with we saw the pittsburgh penguins this morning um pull out a bunch of uh, um of players from practices just because of potential exposure to the virus and other players catching the virus as well i mean i i we're sitting here and neither of us are medical professionals but i think it's also tough to look at um how other leagues have been handling this so far and have much of trust that the nhl is going to be any different with it and that's going to be hard to get to have this this so-called bubble in the two hub cities i will say i out of all the big leagues somehow they've been doing it the most in the most safe way you know like nba is in florida with which is pretty much like the epicenter of the virus right now um mlb is somehow gonna have teams traveling all over the country which makes no sense um you know mls same thing they're down in florida so i think the biggest hurdle is just getting those teams to the hub cities to edmonton and and toronto which you know that's that's a long time that's a couple weeks you could easily have a lot of infections from now until then i think once they're in the bubble they'll be a lot more a lot safer but at the same time i mean you could still have some infections so who knows there's there's definitely going to be some players that won't be able to play because they're sick though yeah it's not a question of will there be cases there will be cases it's a Mm -hmm. matter of how many cases will there be which i mean looking at it from just a human level seems kind of messed up (laughs) like you you know players are going to get sick and so why are they going through all this this risk and it's i at least i'm of the opinion that it's a pretty awful risk to be going through um but yeah hey it's what they're going through i don't really have control over it at this point but they're they're going for it um nhl seems pretty hard stuck on getting that extra tv revenue so um. definitely it's it's all about the money and i i will say um and i've seen some good takes on this recently on twitter too it's it's definitely mixed emotions because on the one hand like you're saying um you know you got to feel for some of these players who you know there's going to be some that get sick um and it's definitely hard for them and their families and, and stuff like that but at the same time you know we can't we as individuals can't control if there are going to be games and if there are going to be games i'm going to be watching them it's going to be kind of exciting you know there's going to be five or six games a day for i think the first nine days of the playoffs Mm -hmm. and you know out here in vancouver uh on the pacific time zone i can watch hockey some days from 9 a.m till 10 p.m or something like that so it'll be pretty insane to uh you know be able to watch hockey all day long if they actually get to that stage so um there's mixed emotions there 
Yeah, and I, I've got to say as well, I'm going to kind of miss this this weird in-between stage where we're all just writing and figuring out weird stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> it really kind of sparked the cre- creativity cells. And yeah, it'll be nice to have hockey back, and of course I'll, I'll be right there with you and I'll be watching too. But yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's definitely a weird feeling. It's, it's mixed emotions, which I guess uh, is a bit of a common theme for Sens fans all the time anyway. So it's yeah, nothing exactly. new to us, so... All right, well, I think we should move on to our listener questions at this point. Um, if you want to submit listener questions, you can go to our Twitter account, at CPPointCast. Uh, obviously, it's a bit too late for this episode, but we'll uh, uh, for next episode, or whenever we're taking listener questions, we'll submit it. Uh, we'll put out a tweet there. You can always submit there. And you can always just add, it, add us at any time, too, and we'll uh, be sure to answer it, too. So yep. um, do you want to go take the first listener question? Sure. So uh, first one comes in from Tikos. Um, they say any word on a player's combine would NHL do it during the playoffs or whatever you call it. I think it's a huge deal for the Sens. Oh yeah. So uh, things have been changing a lot. So maybe I'm talking about outdated information here, but from what I know is that there's not going to be a physical combine and that teams have already been doing, um, virtual interviews with players already. Um, so as for combine, that's something that scouts have already been talking about is that the lack of a physical combine could be a bit tricky and that they're going to have to go off these measurements that have been done um, by the leagues and, and, and yeah. uh, by each player's league. And um, <laughs> someone like Yusuf Mayanbal, who has a three-inch three, three inch height difference. It's, it's a, the NHL says he's 5'4", but the Liga says he's 5'7". He's, he's, uh, <laughs> so that, that can make a big yes. difference. So the lack of a combine will make it a bit more tricky in that way. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, th- th- these types of things, these, these type of events are always weird anyways. And it's, it's kind of, sometimes you can always see uh, uh, teams kind of almost overvaluating these types of events and kind of uh, looking past week playing, like, did they do how many, how many pull-ups did they do or how long did they last on the bicycle? And, yeah, and, yeah. and those types of things can, can kind of be weird and obscure those types of, uh, of more important analysis for players. So I don't know. I, I've gotten, I, I'm not entirely, uh, I, I don't have any strong emotions on it or anything, but uh, it, maybe it'll make things a bit more tricky. Yeah, I think it's different than like a football combine, I think is a lot more important for um, evaluating players. So it's it's not the end of the world. Yeah, for sure. And this next uh, two questions uh, come from Robert Lennox. Uh, he actually had three questions, but the first one was about uh, the jerseys. So I think we, we kind of touched on that. Uh, his second question, uh, would you try to sign Robin Leonard to solidify the goaltending situation with Craig Anderson likely done? Uh, so you want to take that one first? I mean, it's something that, I think it it's at least worth looking into. Um, you know, he he's someone he he's had to sign back to back one year deals, so he's obviously not gonna want to sign another one of those. I'm assuming he'll probably want something like I don't know four or five years. And you know, he's been legitimately one of the best goaltenders in the league the last couple of seasons. So um, he, I mean, he would deserve that. At the same time, he's you know turning 29 soon. Um, I don't know. I he doesn't really fit into their competitive window. So if they if they want to sign him and he's you know uh, willing to sign for two to three years, I guess that would be fine. But you know maybe in one of those seasons they're going to be a playoff team. So it probably wouldn't really be worth it. And if you do sign him to a long long term contract, he probably wouldn't be good by the end of it anyway. So uh, it probably won't happen. I mean, he may not even be good next year. The goalies are just weird yeah, that way. So exactly. I, I'm, I'm always, um, I, I'm always kind of 
very weary of signing goaltenders to anything more than like a couple years deal just because yeah. they can be so volatile that way and even though even the winner has been very good in the last couple of seasons I'm, I'm i'm still not convinced that he would be a long-term solution to any team at this point and, and of course being with the sense in the past there is is a bit of bad blood especially with the media that he's had in the past too so who knows how that would shake over um but yeah i mean andres nielsen and marcus hogberg i'm honestly kind of fine with that duo uh, I don't. I don't expect the Sens to be competitive for a couple years anyway, so um, I'm not too worried about it. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, goaltending just isn't the thing I'm really most worried about at this point. I'm, I'm more looking towards that uh, high end offensive talent or something. And yeah, of course, I, no, no, not not through free agency either. Just through just through the draft, right? And develop developing talent. I think at some point you have to address goaltending, but you know, hopefully one of the prospects can can shine through or something. Um, or you can always trade for one. It, it seems like there's usually a couple every year that end up getting traded and then uh, mm-hmm. becoming starters. For sure. And uh, another question from Robert. Oh, by the way, Robert, um, thanks for listening from Norway. Uh, great to always hear our international listeners. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> and uh, uh, so his other question, uh, what will Kachuk's extension look like? Um, I don't know. Any, any thoughts? Because that's coming up soon, too. Yeah. Well, I think, actually, they can start negotiating with him now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, so obviously he has one one year left on his entry-level contract. Um, so, if he signs for three years or fewer, then he's he'll still be a UFA at the end of it. If he signs for, I mean, signing for four years would be the most pointless because then he would be a UFA at the end of it. Um, I mean, perfect scenario is they sign him for eight years. That'd be great. That's, you know, you lock him up for pretty much his entire, um, uh, his entire peak. And I don't know that that would be great. Although I don't know, my gut is telling me like six might happen, um, just because I don't know. Like Thomas Shabbat is the only player that they've locked up for for eight years, um, you know, since I can remember. So I I would hope that they could get Kachuk for eight, but I don't know. My gut says a couple years less. I, I don't know. I feel like they'd go full term with him. I feel like this is. Kind I think of they not... would, but I don't know if if Brady would necessarily. I don't know. Uh, I I don't know. I I feel like 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 Shabbat Kachuk is going to be one of those kind of uh, marquee signings for the Sens going forward. And um, whether or not I'm actually convinced that would be a good thing. I mean, Brady's kind of a bit of a, a enigmatic statistical player in 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 the, in the sense that like I'm I'm still not convinced he's he's at that elite level like Shabbat is, but. Um, but yeah, I, I I feel like he'll definitely be one of the Sens' most high players, high paid players going forward, just because not only does the team seem completely enamored with him. I mean, he's such a, a physical specimen for a guy his age. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be a big contract. I expect it'll probably be like seven or eight years, um, maybe, maybe six. But yeah, I, I definitely think it'll be on the high end. Um, In terms of cap hit, <clears throat> cap hit. Sorry, it um, I feel like there's such a big range, right? Like. He's probably like right now he's probably worth I don't know 5 million or something but if you're projecting forward I'd be willing to give him a lot more so like yeah. not as much as Shabbat like you're saying but I don't know I don't even know what he would be asking for either. Yeah, I mean as soon as those UFA years kick in it starts really picking up but uh Shabbat's Definitely making 8 million yeah. I could see I could see Kachuk making anywhere from 6.5 to 7.5 even. Um yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. For sure. I mean, we we always love some uh, Brady Kachuk content around Definitely. here, so to see him in a sense uniform would be fantastic. Yeah. So uh, next question comes in from Bronson. He's always uh, 
you know, giving some good, good questions for us. So he goes a couple for you. Uh, number one, what's your opinion on Dorian trading down with the fifth pick for more picks? I know the Sens have a million picks already, but what's your opinion on shopping it? So that's his first one. Um, yeah, uh, um, this, this is a tough one because it's always about who's going to be on the board and who are the Sens going to be targeting. Like if, if the guy that they want at fit, like say they have intel that Lucas Raymond is going to drop to eighth overall and then they trade down to eighth overall, pick up another wait for a second round pick in that and they get Lucas Raymond at eighth overall. I mean, I'd be super ecstatic because Lucas Raymond is one of my favorite players in this draft. Yeah. If, if they're trading down just for the sake of trading down and, and getting, I don't know, one of the, one of the, Kagan Gooey or someone like that, then that's, <laughs> it's all about the result in this case. And, and, and who are they going to, um, who are they targeting and why are they trading down? And um, trading down in itself is actually generally a pretty good idea at the draft, especially when you get to uh, late first, second round, even late picks, especially. You're essentially making two for one trades at that point. You're getting getting two two assets the same value just for 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 one. But fifth overall, it's a bit more. Uh, it's a bit different, and um, I, yeah. I, I can't I, I can't say it's a good or bad thing at this point. To depend on the return, it depend on who they pick. So so many dependent so many dependencies here. Yeah, like I think if they can get someone in that same tier of Rossi, Raymond, Perfetti, Holtz, if they can get like one of those guys, I think that would be worth it. But at the same time. You know, why are you getting another pick? <laughs> An interesting scenario I just thought of when you were answering is, you know, potentially trading down, getting an extra, I don't know, early second round pick or something or, or like a late first and then using uh, a couple picks to move up with the Islanders one. So you end up with like, say, eighth and tenth or something like that. I don't know. That would be kind of interesting. But again, it would have to depend on who's available at 10th. Trevor, you got my head spinning. I, I totally lost you there. <laughs> uh, we know Dorian second... likes these convoluted trades, so. True, true. Get 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 a third or fourth team involved in there too. Exactly. Um, so, okay, so, so the the second question from Bronson, he goes, um, how, yeah, we kind of talked about this already, but how do you feel about the return to play with players opting out? Is this just the start? Uh, yeah, uh, full support for any player that's opting out. They have all the reason to do so. Um, and more, um, whether it's just the start, I guess we'll just have to see. I think a uh, cat friendly has been tracking this. I think we're almost at a dozen players at this point that have opted out for various reasons, whether mm -hmm. it be for, for underlying health issues already, or, or, uh, or just, um, I think it's mostly just been underlying health issues to this point, but, uh, the NHL has actually been pretty stringent as well as not uh, releasing, um, for, for any other players that opt out, just not releasing why they want to, they're just saying that they're unfit to play and, and, and that's all. But uh, yeah, I mean, full full support for any player that wants to opt out. Um, there also seems to be, I think, Sidney Crosby had. Uh, there was the Sidney Crosby quote that came out a couple of days ago, where it seemed like he was kind of putting pressure on players to come to come back. And yeah, not a great look. <laughs> yeah, um, what players decide for their own, and if I know they, I know they want to win a cup, but uh, their health and safety easily goes first for this. So yeah, mm -hmm. um, let's move on to a next question. This one comes from. Uh, Scott Salter, do you expect the late draft and uh, next season start date to change who the Sens may pick compared to if the draft was right now? Um, Europeans like Lucas Raymond, Marco Rossi, etc. could be playing games next season before the draft and show something completely different. I mean, yeah, it's interesting to think about. Um, I did see, though, that the DEL is uh, pushing back their start date. So 
they'll actually start after the draft. So, you know, for someone like Tim Stutzla, that's that won't matter. Um, he can, uh, you know, should be be able to play next year in the NHL if if Ottawa picks him and uh, they think he's ready. I I would like to think that it wouldn't matter overall because I mean, someone like Raymond is probably a couple years away anyway. Um, and Marco Rossi is also playing with the 67. So I don't know what, uh, you know, what the OHL is going to look like. Um, yeah, I would like to think that it wouldn't change, but who knows? Maybe they're looking for one of their top two picks to be more NHL ready. Yeah. I mean, this is, this could be a super interesting scenario actually that, that Scott brings up is that, um, I, I think, um, the SHL for, for both Raymond and Holt, I think it's something like six games that they'll have, have played before the NHL resumes yeah. or before, before the expected draft date. And, uh, even someone like Marco Rossi, there's been rumors of, that he could go, uh, and play in Europe as well to start the season as well, just to get that, get those extra games in. And, and, uh, I mean, Lucas Raymond is, if he's, if he goes out, of, if he comes out of the gate and scores six points in six games, then yeah, that, could, that could certainly raise his draft stock, a guy, a couple yeah. positions. And, um, yeah, so it's an interesting scenario. Obviously, the draft date in, in I think October 9th is the uh, day of the first round. Uh, that that's still only very uh, that's still only a tentative date at this point. So um, who knows if it gets pushed back even more? We'll have, we'll have to see. All right, and the next one comes in from friend of the show Joe. He goes, uh, "Do the Sens make the Eastern Conference Final within the next five years?" Okay, this is a tough one um, because they they're only going to be ten. Eastern Conference Final teams in the next five years, and there's 16 teams in the Eastern Conference Finals. And short answer, no. Uh, I'm 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 still a bit uh, um, pessimistic in this in this stance. Uh, I actually wrote about this recently on Silver Seven Cents that there's uh, a lot a lot of room to go for this rebuild to be considered a success by any means, and that this draft is just going to be the first step, and that there's going to be a long and grueling process of of trying to build this team in player development and seeing improvement year over year from the roster and uh i i frankly don't have that kind of trust in in the team yet to really catapult them into an eastern conference final but of course if they get themselves in the playoffs who knows what happens but i don't know do you you have any different kind of outlook on this i mean if they do make it in the next five years that's definitely very good news um i think sometimes it's easy to look at progression very linearly and sort of you know, mm. think, oh, in five years, they're going to be amazing. Um, I think in the next five years, they'll at least have a couple playoff appearances. I think like, you know, I think there's a chance that not next year, but the year after that, they could at least challenge for a playoff spot. Um, you know, like the next two years are like, I wouldn't expect them to make the playoffs. But then after that, I I definitely would have that expectation. So um, like, I think there'll be a, a, a playoff team. But expecting them and thinking they will make the Eastern Conference Final, it's tough. Maybe in that fifth year, but I wouldn't get your hopes up. Yeah, and so much can happen from now until five years anyways. I mean, look at at what the Saints looked like five years ago in 2015. That was the hamburger run. And look how different they they looked looked then. So, so much can happen. Playoffs are weird that way. NHL is chaotic that way. Hockey, why do we even watch the sport? Um, It's, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. But this next question comes in from Derek. Um, He, he, this is all about the rebrand. We kind of touched on this, but I think he actually has a good perspective on it. So his question is, the rebrand is on everyone's mind right now. Um, 
how important do you think this is from a marketing standpoint to sell the new core and help grow the depleted fan base? Do you think uh, people will start to come back because of it? That last one is particularly intriguing. I'm curious to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, 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 actually. So, I mean, we kind of touched on the uh, the first part of the question earlier, and I, I think it's super important for reinvigorating the fan base um, and specifically for that last part of, of um, talking about bringing people back. I definitely think it will. I mean, when Ottawa had those jerseys, those were the best teams that they ever had, you know, kind of the late 90s till mid mid 2000s. Um, those teams were, were insanely good. So I, I definitely do think if Ottawa was bad during those years, there would be a lot of uh, negative things associated with it. So I think teams that sort of gave up on them recently or five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, I think they'll at least be willing to give them a chance. And especially when, when guys like, you know, whoever, Byfield, Stutzla, Raymond, whatever, once they... Um, start coming to Ottawa I think it's going to be pretty exciting and a lot of that has to do with their merchandise and and wanting to buy something that looks nice so I think that's a huge aspect Derek yeah for sure I I, I, I agree with that to an extent I think that winning really is the biggest <laughs> the biggest factor here at play totally yeah um but yeah cer- certainly having a strong brand around that of course uh, makes it, it, it makes a difference and it keeps fans around and um it, it's going to be a lot of work to do to to uh to to uh uh, get those fans back because, of course, there's been so much apathy that's been set in within the fan base. Uh, but at the same time, we've, we've seen how hardcore so many Sens fans can be, and and, and how many how many people are sticking around still, even with uh, everything that that this, that the organization has put us through in the last couple of years. Yeah. So uh, to see that there are still people sticking around from that is is quite a testament to to the to uh, this team's fan base already. So we we know how to fill an arena. It's just a matter of uh, getting the pieces together, I guess. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, next question comes in. Well, it's not really don't have too much to say, but um, it comes in from Peter D. And he uh, this is just in regards to uh, the rebrand. And he goes, my wish discuss rebranding baby. <laughs> he goes, uh, possibly a Sens draft day reveal, which it looks like it will be. Um, and he, he attached a photo of the Sens logo, which is pretty much the same as the old 2D, except for the like the three wings or cape or whatever it is on the back. Um, which, uh, I, I think I somehow actually like the, the, the cape on the back better. So, um, that's not really a, a real question though, just because we've sort of gone over that already and it looks like it will be revealed either at the draft or before the draft. Um, so I'll go for the next one that you can answer though from Craig. And he says, what is the hope slash expectation for next season, another year in the basement or push for the playoffs? Um, I'm keep, I'm keeping my expectations super super low. Um, I think I'm gonna I, I think my approach to this coming season is gonna be very similar to this past one, where I'm gonna be looking more at player development and seeing whether the pieces are actually gonna be there for to build a competitive roster in the future. Whether we can see guys like Drake Batherson, Logan Brown, uh, Rudolph Spalsers, Josh Norris, if these guys can start to step up into into the, into the NHL and start to produce. Uh, whether that results in wins or not, it honestly, won't matter as much to me um, as as long as we're seeing that these guys are, are showing that they can be important pieces down the road. So, um, I I think that may result more in a basement basement finish than um, more more of a basement finish than a push for the playoffs. But uh, you know, who who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't expect for the playoffs. I think there's a chance they might finish in like the 
sort of five to ten uh, lottery range. So not worst of the worst, but obviously not really close to a playoff team either. Yeah, and one reason uh, why I'm not too optimistic is, is is related to this next question from Andrew Robinson: is uh, how will Nikita Zaitsev contract look down the road? I mean, down the road, like right now, it's already yeah. bad, right? He's got four years left, right? Uh, uh yeah, four years left. Yeah. yeah, so four years left. Obviously, I mean, it's an overpay right now, and this is like, I mean, his contract length is obviously the biggest reason why I'm not the biggest fan of the Cody CC trade, even though it got rid of CC and Ottawa got Connor Brown. Um, so yeah, down the road, I mean, it's not going to be good if, you know, in a few years time when they're trying to contend, they still have Zaitsev on the books and he's still in the top four, because that could be a real issue. And that could be essentially CC all over again. Oh, I'm already on the camp that Zaitsev is, 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 is certainly one of the NHL's worst defensemen at this point. Um, oh, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, CC was on the team when they were actually trying to be good. Oh, true. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot more sense. So it doesn't really matter right now, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, it, it, you're right. It doesn't matter right now, especially when they're way under the cap and, and they aren't trying to be good. But um, I, I just really wanted... I, I don't I don't want to see him playing next to Shabbat. I really don't want to. I know. Um, uh, <laughs> like, it, it's such a... Yeah, it's, it's such a tough thing to watch when uh, uh, when Shabbat is doing so much offensively and then decides to just can't hold hold his own defensively either. So yeah, it's, it's uh, not fun. It's it's not fun. Um, it's 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 not going to contribute to next season if they're going to try and be more of a fun team, anyways. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. Um, uh, another question from Andrew Robertson as well. Uh, another contract kind of related one, but he asked, "What will they do with Bobby?" Um, and do you want to jump in on this one? Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I think. You know, he's got, got, what does he have, three years left? I think yeah, only three two years. years. No, uh, two years left. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, they're just going to let his contract run out. Um, I'm sure he'll get some time in the top six just because they don't have a, a ton of right wingers. Um, you know, I would uh, I would hope that he doesn't get preference over someone like Drake Batherson who really needs that, uh, that ice time in the top six. So, um, he'll, you know, probably put up. 30 to 40 points like he's done a few times in the past few seasons um he looked really good when he came back um you know at the at the end of the season there and he's still like an nhl caliber player even though he's obviously not an impact player at all anymore but you know he's he's someone that is he's a veteran presence in the room and you know at this point they're it's not like they need the cap space so it's fine yeah I think that's yeah. I, I couldn't agree anymore. He's he's. They're gonna let his contract go to the end probably. Um, I mean, as 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 weird as it was when he joined the Sens in in uh, under those circumstances. I mean, he certainly had uh, a lot of great memory. He certainly produced a lot of great memories in his time here, and I'm sure yeah. even more in, in his next uh, in the next two years. But uh, the only thing I guess I'd add is that he, I, I I don't even know if he's top six worthy at this point. Um, no, he, I he, say. even on the power play, he hasn't been very effective either, which was just kind of his bread and butter for a few years. So I don't know. Uh, count us as two bubble Ryan fans on this podcast and we're happy to have him on the set. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's one last one here from Matthew, multiple questions. So, uh, we'll see how much of it we can answer, but he says, uh, who will be the, I'm assuming he means 12th and 13th forwards and not all 12 and 12, uh, or 13 forwards, so 12th and 13 forwards to start the year. Um, yeah, we'll start with that one. 
Um, I mean, it, it, there's so much can change from now until then, in, yeah. until the training camp. But I guess maybe uh, Matthew Pekka kind of, or no, he's a UFA. Who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Horluck. Jace Haru, Jace or however you pronounce that. I still can't pronounce that properly. I think it's just Horluck. Jace Horluck. I'll say that. Okay. <laughs> Whatever his name is, you know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah. he, he's an RFA. Uh, he seems like a good contender for that spot. Um, but yeah. Um, it's so it, tough it's, too because like you don't tough, know who's yeah. from the draft. Like you know, if they draft uh, Stutzla, let's say, like is he gonna play or? Out of the Belleville guys, like, is Norris going to make it? Is Brown going to make it? Is uh, Formington going to make it? Like, there's so yeah. many questions. It, it's really hard to project. I'm sure we'll have a whole episode dedicated to this by the time uh, oh, training will. camp rolls around. So Yeah. Um, and then he also asks about what UFAs they will resign. And and then he also says, uh, are there any RFAs you don't see them resigning? Um, so UFAs, I actually don't see many returning. Uh, I think Mark Wojewski is kind of the only obvious candidate here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, unless they want to bring back Ron Hainsey for some reason too, but I, I don't see that happening even either. Uh, of course, Mikhail Bodker already signed in Europe anyway, so that's that's totally off off uh, that's totally uh, off the table. Uh, in terms of RFAs, um, at this point we kind of have to look far, far down the list. I think I think they'll probably give a qualifying offer to, to that guy who I can't pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think they will. Yeah, uh, Andreas Anglin is a guy that I've always been surprised that they've actually given given him qualifying offers for the past two yeah. years because he hasn't been good in Belleville at all. He hasn't shown any progress in his development. He was a second round pick from from like a while back. Now he's already twenty four, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like he's been a prospect forever. So. Um, also, with Belleville being so deep on the left side too, I just don't see how he fits in that. But they've given him qualifying offers in the past, so uh, who knows if that will happen again? Uh, same thing with JC Baudin as well. Um, he got the call up this past year for reasons still unbeknownst to me. Um, and other than that, I think that's really the only candidates. I think unless you have yeah. anyone else. I mean, everyone else they're going to keep. T- I mean, maybe they, maybe they trade Tierney, but they'll still qualify him. And same with Connor Brown, Anthony Declare. Balsers obviously is going to stay. It seems like they're really high on Nick Paul, so he, he's a really, really good bet to stay as well. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's that uh, sums it up nicely. So thank you, thank you everybody for your questions. Uh, again, you can follow us on Twitter at CP Pointcast, um, where for our next episode we'll put out the question to you for for listener questions. So uh, thanks everyone who submitted. Yeah, thanks everyone. As a wrap it up, a reminder that you can find the Cost Per Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And if you really like it, you can rate and review it on those platforms as well. As always, you can find me on Twitter at CudmoreCollin and read my articles at Silver7Sends. And for Trevor, you can find him on Twitter at ShackTS and check out his new U- new YouTube channel, The Hockey Shack. Uh, we'll be back sometime in the next couple weeks with whatever news the Sends uh, dish our way. Uh, but stay safe, everyone. Uh, that's all for today, folks. Adios.